This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. I'm going to invite our, our reverends, Reverend Jane, our senior minister, Reverend Sylvia, and Reverend Tamara. Come on up and grab the stage. And Claire's got a microphone that we will pass around for anyone in the audience. And this only happens with your participation, so please... Uh, ask questions. Don't make me ask all the questions because they're going to be really embarrassed if I start asking. <laughs> so yes, we have one right here from Anita. Claire, right behind you. I would love to hear your response to this statement. What if our only purpose here was to be happy? What if our only purpose here is to be happy? And sorry, we only have this one mic for you guys to, to share, other than Jane. She's got a mic. Yes. Oh, yay. Okay. Um, what a great observation and statement. And so if you think of being connected to spirit, to the divine, to the universe, and you take in the understanding that each of us is amazing in each and every way. We can consider the obstacles that come up and perhaps kick our backsides as the gift to your own self-understanding of your connection that something so much greater than ourselves is intended to lead us through. Um, And we have the unity principles that help us address this. And we also have community in order to remind us of our incredible essence when all too often we cannot remember it ourselves. And so with each step connecting to something greater than ourselves, we can find that joy and happiness for all of us. That I... I'm not going to agree with that, that that's what our purpose is, to be happy. And I think happy is a tricky word. Um, I think peace, joy, I resonate with those a lot more than happy. Because happy feels based, yeah, transitory. That's a good word for it. It's based on conditions. And, you know, if, if I'm sitting in Israel right now, I'm probably not happy. You know, but that doesn't mean that there isn't good happening there. That doesn't mean that I can't find deep peace in there or hope. Um, I, I think that our purpose really is to be creating. And, and so creating joy by emanating it, you know, that to me is in alignment. But, but not to be at the, at the throes of circumstances. I want to live from a place that is deeper than that. And and there are times when I or any of us are going to be really sad. We're going to be really scared. Emotions are transitory. But there's a deep peace and joy that comes from being knowing that we are one with creation. <coughs> and being creators ourselves. That'd be my take. (laughs) I would just say ditto. (laughs) 
Seriously, that's my value right there. The other way around once in a while, geez. <laughs> um, hopefully this is a simple question. In my head, it's clear as, you know, mud. But uh, do you guys, what are your guys' takes on soul contracts? Do you believe that we are living up to a soul contract from either the, the bodies are rented, body and more souls are continuing, or what is your take on soul contracts? <laughs> I think it's rough to do an ask the minister in a group that has so much depth already. <laughs> I just want to celebrate our courage up here for a minute. Um, uh, I really don't know. I've thought about it quite a bit. Um, I have a, a, my own thing going on in my life that just kind of has been going on now for a number of years that I don't feel like I signed up for, but, but um, it's... It is a it is a defining part of this particular journey that I'm on. So I often say I don't know if there's purpose and everything that that or purpose behind everything that happens, but I know that we can find purpose in it. So that's that's where I go with it. You know, I feel like I can apply it more directly to okay, I might have signed up for this shit because I'm doing some good with it. Then, then I, then I can, when I see people who really, really have come into a rough road in this life, I can't, I can't in good conscience say, oh, that's just what they signed up for sometimes back. I don't know what to do with it yet. Can I just do ditto on that one again? Um... Sometimes my prayer is to be seen for how I show up, and uh, boy, we just nailed that, didn't we? Uh, <laughs> um, just kind of as an adjacent tangent, um, many of you know that I'm one of the infinite possibility trainers under Mike Dooley, and Mike has just lately been really into past life and past life regression and all that sort of thing, and we're hearing a lot about it. And so, you know, my only response is that if we believe there's a past life and if it comes with us into each generation when we show up here, maybe that's the soul's story, you know, and that something's up some way for healing, you know, lifetime after lifetime. And, you know, that's the only thing I can think of around that because I agree with Sylvia. There are times that I look at my life going, really? You know, and I also think it's important that soul gets confused with something that I would call spiritual bypass. We can't just spiritually think we can walk over this and not feel it and express it and experience it. There isn't any bypassing of what the universe or spirit or God brings to us. It's about the walking through.
it's kind of in the same family as past lives. It's a little bit different, but uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that past lives are a thing. I, I've been a hypnotherapist for over 30 years, and so I've done a lot of past life work with people. Um, and yet, I read a book one time from somebody who also had done a lot of past life work, and she, she was doing a regression with somebody. This was kind of a long session, and, and they were talking about this whole lifetime, and we're in it, and then, then they moved on to this next line, lifetime, which was actually intersecting the one that they had just had. And so that sort of blew her mind, and she's, she's asking for guidance on how could this be happening? How could they be in two places physically at one time? And the answer that she was given was that it's like we're kind of a pod, and, and so if the three of us are in one pod and you're having this experience over here, to me it feels like it's my experience because in consciousness we are one. Which brings us back to a unity principle <laughs> you might have heard of about we are one. And so, you know, it's one of those things that is a really great conversation late at night with a lot of coffee, you know? <laughs> it's so interesting, but I don't know if we're ever gonna have the definitive answer about it, and I don't know that it matters. Ultimately, what matters is right here and right now, the experiences that are happening to me, am I going to make them mean something that enlivens me and, and gives grace to others? And so if, if a belief that I've been here before, and there sure seems to be evidence of it, if that belief brings me peace, then that's a good belief to hold. I will try to keep this short, but I'm excited, so I have, but uh, I have decided that I am done sitting on my dreams and I want to actually bring them about, and I've been using, starting to go through courses and things that I bought years ago that have been sitting on my shelf. I won't make the stupid joke. <laughs> shelf help is, okay, now see you saying I have to say it. There, I said it. So they were shelf help instead of self-help. But anyway, uh, now that I'm, and I was at breakfast with Nico the other day, and out of the blue, knowing nothing about what I was doing, he asked me, so what, are you, what would you invest in, in yourself? If you, and I'm just like, okay, that just sort of shows this has some validity, because he had no idea, I don't think, that I was starting on this journey. But I realized that my journey was, what I was originally asking the universe for was a little short. If I was going to do everything I wanted to do, I would need to be bringing in about 10 grand in addition to what I'm bringing in now, because I would like to take what I'm bringing in now and just shove it into savings without even giving it a thought. But my question is, I know that you're supposed to, the idea is to feel the feelings of having already manifested this, but the bills still got to be paid, and the money is not yet coming that, you know. So how do you reconcile where you are with where you 
are trying to, well, I don't even know if trying is the right word because then you get into Yoda territory, uh, where you are. Uh, like, if you say, I, I'm, I'm making an extra 10000 it just hasn't manifested itself yet, but it's going to. But then how do you, it's hard, how do you say that when you've got, well, I've still got to pay this stuff and I'm still barely able to cover the expenses I have. Uh, how do you, how do you, how do you do, <laughs> how do you do that? And that is to recognize that the material world where the bills are and the shortage of money appears to be is not the realm of creation. So the realm of creation is in consciousness. And it's from there that we affect it here. But unless we are ascended masters, we're not just snapping our fingers and, oh, there's this gold in my hand. It, there's a process to it. And we get impatient because we believe time is so real. But if we can spend time every day just in a place of, of knowing that there is more and just, and just listening for guidance and seeing what comes, then, then it comes to pass. And, and it comes to pass in there's always that this or something better because even our imaginations have limits that our fear puts on them. But, but going into that realm of imagination and seeing it, Gay and Kathleen Hendricks are, are two individuals that I studied with. And Gay talks about in one of his books how he decided at one point to just start imagining that he had $1,000 more coming in every month because every month they were falling short by a certain amount. And so he just started telling himself that he had this amount and he imagined it and, and the two of them would walk along and they'd be window shopping and they'd see things that they'd like and they'd say, well, we could get that if we wanted. And, and they wouldn't get it because the cash wasn't in hand yet, but they would tell themselves that. And so they were kind of acting as if in their minds. And by the I think it took him a few months, and then he was getting $1,000 extra a month, and they said, oh, let's go for 10000 <laughs> And ultimately, that worked, too, because the only limits we have are what we put on ourselves. And, and so if we, if, we don't, if we take those limits off and allow the divine that we are to express through us, who knows what could happen? I have a couple thoughts. First of all, kudos for getting off the shelf help. I mean, I, I think that's great. Um, and kind of following on that, you know, we're sliding into Halloween. What do you call two witches who share an appointment? Broom mates. Arr, 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 arr. <laughs> I, I have had, I love lame jokes. Um, so I have had a lot of lack thinking in my life. I wound up on my own at 16, and I think it really set a pattern. And actually, my parents even demonstrated some of it significantly before that. I've also had times when I have made, for me, quite significant money. Um, and I feel like this is an area where I've maybe had my biggest breakthrough mm, over the last few years. Um, and some of the things that have helped me 
is shifting the thinking that I have to have a certain amount of money to do this this part of my work. I've also gone in and out of lack in part because I've had a really unconventional life. It's been more important for me to do my work, to do my environmental work, to work on issues that I care about than it has been to be financially secure in a steady, what one would call a normal steady job. So that's just a pathway that I took. But the breakthroughs have definitely been broadening it out to resources and telling myself, I have all the resource I need to express everything I am here to express. Um, that has been helpful. Um, and also, there's a wonderful little tool in A Course in Miracles. It's very simple, but it's choose again, choose again. When I find myself going to the lack, when I find myself worried about the exact number in the bank account, choose again, choose again. I know there's more coming in than this. It's all stuff you know, Eric, and I know you know it. Um, it, is, it, is, it, is the, it is being intentional to embody it. And I'll tell you, the imagination thing, I think I learned this in one of Jane's prosperity classes, is great. I'll give you a super quick, ex uh, direct example. This is from several years ago. And I had a dog at the time who you could only do her toenails with one of those Dremel things. She was just too paranoid about the clipper. And the little Dremel tool broke. And I was broke at the time. And um, I tried to get a battery more expensive to get a battery than to get a replacement. Planned obsolescence. That pissed me off right there, right? The whole thing. It's like, okay, more plastic garbage. But, I, and I was just sweating getting this 50 or $60 tool. And then I, I think I was taking one of your classes at the time. And I was like, all right, how would a wealthy, successful, financially independent person be feeling about having to spend 60 bucks on? They would be grateful that they had resources to take the very best care of their beloved, beloved friend. And that's exactly the attitude that I shifted into before I even went into the store. So it's just the discipline, you know? It's the mind discipline. And I'm affirming and believing you getting everything you need to maximize your talent and what you want to do right now. I want to anchor us on this idea that money is a currency that we only use here on Earth right now. And, you know, what Jane has said, what Sylvia has said, when, and yes, there's a whole lot of infinite possibility stuff that's about to come out of my mouth. Um, when we start looking at what abundance means, it can be giving your gifts in some way. And since Eric brought up the question, imagine the abundance each and every one of us receive, whether we're online or in this room, every time he sings. We are receiving, and, and there are times, and Eric, I'm sorry I'm going to do this to you, but it's like I see just like light and energy dropping from the heavens when his vocal cords connect to that microphone and share it with all of us. And so when we focus on giving and receiving as your monetary value of abundance, we're making it so much bigger than a dollar amount. And I also want to anchor into, and just like you, Sylvia, when I took the prosperity class, from Jane, 
I found out I really struggled to receive from someone else or something else. And I was in a situation where somebody had an extra five-and-ride ticket for the mountain here in Mount Bachelor, and we were new to town, and I found them on Facebook and said, yeah, we could use one. And I felt guilty about it by saying yes, because, you know, there was enough money in the bank account that I could have paid for it for my son myself. And so this person who gifted my son this kept following up with us throughout the year, asked what it, what, what, you know, what were we doing? How were we enjoying it? And boy, it just set him free. He is now a huge snowboarder and a lot more money of my bank account has left to cover his expenses. <laughs> and I thanked her at one point. And she said, you don't understand the gift that we got. We didn't know that the little person that I had bought this for was too young. And to have your stories and everything else come back, I shared it with her each and every time. And so she's so excited to hit the mountain for the first time next year. And so when we translate receiving as perhaps as a gift for someone else, you have the greatest amount of abundance radiating through you, with you, and around everyone else. Awesome. Thank you. Is anyone online, too? I've got one right over here. Please. Hi. Um, this is a question kind of specifically for Reverend Jane. But... Um, I lost my father last week. Well, he passed. Um, I don't like to say the word lost because I don't really believe in that. But um, his spirit has passed on. And I'm just curious as to what your beliefs are on what happens to the soul after we go through the death process and leave this carbon-based life form that we're all kind of trucking around in currently. And I have my own beliefs, but I'm, I'm curious as to what yours are. So thank you. Well, I believe that um, energy can't be destroyed. And so your father is still present. Is his attention on this realm? Maybe. I mean, I think in the beginning, for sure. I don't know if it stays. When my father died, um, when my father died, I remember I wasn't there. He was in Florida. Um, I, I knew he was in the process, and this beautiful poem came through me, and he was saying, in essence, he was saying that that's not where he is anymore, but look to the skies above, look to the river, look, you know, look all around, he's everywhere. That, that was just what was flowing through me, and I didn't, the poem is much nicer than what, I, what I'm saying right now because I can't remember the exact words, but, but I, I just knew he was there. And when my sister died, it was the same kind of thing. I just knew, and, and I actually had a friend who could feel spirits and sense them, and, and she was in my office one day and she said, oh, your sister's here. And she, she said, she's just curious about what you do, <laughs> you know, and it was just like, Oh, all right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that they are around, 
at least for a while. And then what happens when you leave this body is that you're not hemmed in by form. You're, you're part, I mean, we're already part of all that is, but we don't feel like it because we're so aware of these bodies. And when the bodies aren't there, we're just like, did you ever see that movie, Powder? Did you see that, William? Yeah, so remember at the end when he's running, if you haven't seen it, he, he's running and all of a sudden he had been hit by lightning uh, in his life. And, and as he's running, maybe he gets hit by lightning again. I can't remember, but what I do remember is that he just bursts into the sky. And there's all these colors and he's just energy and there's no body left. And, and I think that's what happens. And, you know, I, I tend to believe that there's some kind of a soul review and there's, um, you know, that we come back again to do the next thing. But, you know, all the details, I don't know. I just know there's only death of the physical form. Everything else is always life. I would just quickly add, I've had several mystical experiences where I have really profoundly lost a sense of a physically bounded body and have really felt that connection to the vastness. And when people talk about wanting to live forever, I'm like, hell no. Because, I mean, I love my body, and it's been a good one. It is a good one, and I love this life, but I think it's so limited. I... I I think there's so much more to do. And I'll offer you one other concept that may be helpful. Um, there's, a, there's a shamanistic concept that we all have individual souls when we come into this realm. We also have an oversoul that is never has never ch believed in disconnection or separation. And when we pass from these bodies, the, this individual soul brings all of this experience, all of, all of everything, and reconnects to our true oversoul that then goes and does whatever it's going to do. So I think that's a, cool, that's a cool visual for me. So um, three years ago, I called upon Sylvia to be my coach because of her story. And I have a story to tell. And I felt so inspired by how she handled the world. Part of the reason I haven't told my story is because of the ugliness of the feedback that people can have. And so I've been struggling with this question of the timing of it. And I've also been saying to myself, I'm only going to tell my story if there's a compelling reason to tell my story. So the question I guess I have is like, when do you s decide to press the green light? Because the story is important for a lot s on so many different levels. And yet I'm fighting with my ego. I'm fighting with people that may or may not exist. <laughs> I'm I'm fighting with you know all of these stories th these beliefs that I have about it. And I just finished reading Sylvia's book. And if you have not delved into that book, 
I've known her for four years. She's a friend. Oh, my goodness. I just, like, am blown apart. The, that's the word. That's the title of the book, When Life Blows Apart. Anyway, so the question is, when do you press that green? When, when do you know the right time to do something that's a little bit of a fight with your ego, a little bit based on fear, but at the same time, I know the gifts that can happen? And, and it's just like those of you who are parents or considered being parents and chose not to, the question that people are always asking is, well, is it okay to bring a child into the world? You know, because there's the world. But people have been asking that forever. And, and you have a gift that's inside of you that wants to be born. And it has nothing to do with what will happen to it once it comes out or who will think what, you know, because those are just mirrors, you know, out there. So you bring it forth because it's in you, and in the Gospel of Thomas, which is one that didn't make the press when the um, Nicene Council met in the year 300, but in the Gospel of Thomas it says, whatever is within you, if you bring it forth, it will give you life. If you leave it inside you, it will destroy you. I would just also add, I have faced the dragon when it comes to the kind of public scrutiny that you're talking about. It happened again this week, same newspaper, um, spreading lies again. And I just take it head on now, but I had to do the work that I talk about in the book. Um, to take back my need for external validation. I also, that's what the, the book that finally came through me was the fifth complete iteration because I had to let go, even my TED talk, I struggled with it. I had to let go of what's in this for me and wanting to, to do the story to exonerate myself. I had to genuinely get to the place where it really doesn't matter what happened to me. What matters is what came through and what good it can do. And I think that's the main thing. And I'm here to tell you, if you get beat up publicly, you survive it. You survive it. I used to call it the big ordeal. I now call it the initiation, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, happy to talk with you offline about it. Thank you. We're going to take a couple more time for just one or two more if we could just grab one more question in the back here we've been waiting anybody on this side of the room we have one more back here anybody on this side for the last question no well, hi I'm, I'm Tommy and I've never been to a fellowship like this I, I come from a, uh, a more reformed Baptist theology but um, <laughs> the path the path that I was on actually led me to be uh, my family to be systematically dismantled and uh, excommunicated from the church um, I've heard a lot of good things here today. Um, I know that uh, Scripture refers to God as I am, and then I heard Christ, you know, Jesus uh, referred, and then the Gospel of Thomas also. So I want to ask, you know, um, what place does Jesus have in this building, if that's okay, not, not offensive to ask in a public forum, but that's, that's really what's on my heart right now. Great question. Thank you, Tommy. In a class on the mystical teachings of Jesus, and, and it was such a powerful, powerful class. I wish you could all have been in it. Um, 
and I'll probably just offer it again. So for unity, Jesus, we call Jesus the way shower. Jesus is the one, or not the only one, but he is one who was aware or at least awakened to his connection with the all that he referred to as the Father. And Father is another word for source. It's, he said, I am one with the Father, the one that we all came from. And, and so that's where we see Jesus. Unity was founded as practical Christianity. And as time has gone on, even the founders had you know, widely studied world religions. So it's, and that's part of why it was called unity because they realized that the same truth is evident in every religion. Now, once you get above the layer of truth into dogma and all the trappings, then you get a lot of um, differences, but the truth is the same. What I find here is that the people who are attracted here are most nourished by teachings from multiple sources. So if every single week I was talking about Jesus, there are some people that wouldn't stay. But I also, like I was at the coast this weekend and went into something that was a metaphysical bookstore. And inside there was all kinds of Wicca stuff and there were lots of crystals. And, and I thought, well, wow, metaphysical as I've studied it in unity just means beyond the physical, you know. And, and I think that one of the things that has happened is Jesus and Christian teachings, like the mystical teachings of Jesus, as opposed to the religion and all the stuff that goes with that, that has kind of gotten thrown out with the bathwater. And, and it's important for us to be able to also study those teachings because they are mind-blowing and life-changing. But they're not the only teachings that have that power. So does that answer your question? Thank you for asking that, Tommy. That's a great question. So I'm ordained in world religions. So I um, and my father is a survivor of Nazi Germany, um, and he was Jewish, of course. And so the joke became um, from the Jewish side: we don't pray to a middleman. Um, but in my teachings this idea that every spiritual entity is a teacher and that each one of them has something to share, something that's amazing. I recently did a workshop where somebody said, you know, if Jesus Christ in the form that we think we know him came down today, we were likely to lock him away. Um, and so the best example of how people see whatever connection to spirit, to the divine, to God that I can think of is I was in Israel. And, um, and I'm a little charred up right now because I have three friends that have not been found yet, so excuse me. Um, and I was at a location where in Israel they say that Christ 
took his first baptism. And if you know anything about Judaism, baptism isn't a thing on that side. And so being an odd human being, which I so definitely am, I went to find anybody that had anything spiritual on their bodies and asked, what's their definition? What do they believe? Why do they think that this is the place of baptism? And the end result is we found a rabbi, we found a Buddhist monk. I mean, it was, and each of them told basically the story of origin and the connection of removing yourself from the veil here on earth to that that is spiritual and leads you. And so now the Lord Jesus Christ for me is just one of the amazing teachers that allow us to connect to something so much more divine. I would just offer, I can still get very angry at Christianity. I, um, part of my ministry here, not here, but my whole ministry, is, deal, is dealing with the Christian shadow. I think conventional Christianity has done a tremendous amount of damage. And my, I come from a Southern Baptist type hellfire brimstone background. So I just share that with you because I would not be sitting up here as a minister in unity if, it, if I hadn't learned the, a, a completely different take on teachings that I had been fed as a kid. So my understanding of what unity holds about Jesus is that he was a human being who eventually discovered such, the such depth, the such, spit it out, Sil, eventually discovered the depth of himself and his divinity and, and evolved into fully into Christ consciousness. Christ is not Jesus' last name, and Christ consciousness predates Jesus. We all have Christ consciousness in us. Um, unity is very much about the teachings of Jesus rather than the teachings about Jesus. And that was the only thing that r opened me up to even be open to consider Jesus anymore. So I just offer that to you. Heather, do you have one? Okay. I see our lot. This this always can go on forever. It's like there's an opportunity, but we're gonna have to. Yeah, I so I've been called to read the Bible this year, and as a follow-up to this, what are your thoughts on the fear of the Lord? awe and wonder of that which we call the Lord. And the Lord really means that which we give authority to. So whatever it is that you consider um, something that instills wonder in you. Very quickly, there are a couple of really useful books. I think one of them is called How to Read the Bible Again for the First Time which gives a more, unity gives a, unity puts a metaphysical take on Bible scriptures, which really changes up the story. And Reverend Jane is great about being able to also take a lot of it back to original Aramaic language, which radically changes 
the tone of the interpretation. So both of those things might, might be helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Reverend.